Thank you so much for um, taking the time to listen to this podcast today. We are going to be discussing uh, cloud migration and um, how to avoid the pitfalls within cloud migrations that you might be um, undertaking. My name is Grace Dolby. I head up our support and our pre-sales teams over here at Summerford. And I've been um, with the business for eight years now. The reason that we're focusing on um, cloud migrations and cloud in general today is mainly because it's a very poignant topic for many different companies of all sizes nowadays. It can help you manage your software development life cycles more efficiently. It can help you reduce costs and it can also allow you to make completely different decisions about how you run your IT infrastructure. But it can also be a very difficult new playing field of lots of different new challenges and pitfalls that you can run into if you don't have a good kind of set of processes to go through. Now, I'm very excited to introduce our um, guest for this podcast, um, who is Sarah Lucas. And Sarah, can I just hand over to you just to give us an overview of who you are and why you're here today? Yes, my name is Sarah Lucas. I'm currently Head of Core Platform and Migration Services for Lloyds Banking Group. Um, cloud migration, new technology, agile ways of working, um, very close to my heart, something I really enjoy doing and something that we're pushing on with um, for Lloyds Banking Group. Amazing. I'm sure everybody listening is going to have their ears wide open to hear all of your um, kind of experiences and any wisdom that you can bring in. So I'd really like to just start off with kind of going through how you started and where you've got to in your career and kind of really what, what brought you to be um, kind of in this core platform area. Yeah, so um, I guess quite, quite a lot of people um, in tech, I didn't actually start in tech, so I've got a non- I guess a non-traditional route into sort of where I am now. Um, my background's actually uh, finance. I started as a um, private practice accountant, so I'm ACCA, actually FCCA um, qualified. And then, wow. yeah, so a bit of a bit of a different journey in, but something that I think has really stood me in good stead. But although once you you know people find out that you've got the adding up certificate, it never really goes away. So I've always been involved in budgeting and planning. Um, well they've got to put your skills to good use, right? <laughs> exactly. Um and if it's not your forte it's where you know it's always good to have somebody that actually enjoys an Excel spreadsheet. Very true. So I moved into out of private practice and into industry and then I used to look after the management accounts for the technical team. Part of that was looking at, um, and this is you know probably a sign of age, how we could take advantage of billing portals and things like that that were being introduced. BT actually came in and said, "Do you want to have, do you want to look at this with us? Who you know who wants to do the sort of proof concept?" And I put my hand up for that, and we worked sort of through the new sort of billing journey, what it was like to move services onto the internet so much money that the financial controller at the time didn't recognize it all in the first quarter and then it, it proved so successful and made such a big saving that the IT director at the time decided that it would be quite handy to have me move into the technology side of the business which I then did and then just really got involved in everything I am a question asker I must frustrate the life out of the teams that I work with because I'm forever asking how it works what it does what we're using it for what's next and then just sort of 
got involved in lots of different types of um, projects and programs from then using end-user compute, networking, mid-range, a little bit of mainframe, which now I'm back in banking, obviously. There are there are things that I remember from, I guess, from where I started in tech and on that tech journey. Moved sort of through financial services, then into gaming, which was an interesting change of industry, change of pace. Yeah. Um, looked after the infrastructure delivery teams at, for William Hill. From um, They didn't actually have an infrastructure program when I started, so I built the team up and then over time added more and more services into the teams and then finally added the run side. So we, I looked after both change and run for the technical teams. And then when William Hill started on their cloud journey, um, I also spun up the cloud migration team as well. So in from the, I guess, almost from the ground up on the, the cloud migration journey. Yeah, it, it probably gives you a really unique perspective as well, because you've been involved at so many different levels and in so many different ways as well. Um, it must be, involve a lot of kind of 360 thinking in a way, because you're you're having to think about this migration in lots of different aspects, you know, rather than a lot of people, because they've focused in one area, they might only think about it from their perspective, you know, rather than how it impacts other teams, other sides of the business and things like that. Yeah, and certainly one area of focus which doesn't normally get picked up till later in the journey was the FinOps side. So having a finance background, I was very conscious um, that we needed to build FinOps into the thinking from day one and train the teams on how, you know, the new cloud cost models work, how we'd look at things like savings plans and rationalization and optimization from both a cost and a technical perspective, right from the sort of initiation of that work. That's a really interesting viewpoint and uh, probably something that a lot of people that are looking at migrations now are probably not thinking about themselves, especially from a purely technology side of view. Um, so it must be a real help to kind of have your your view there for the, the migrations that they're doing now. And of course, anything in the future as well to have that kind of really rounded view. Now, I suppose cloud migrations in general are on everybody's lips at the moment. I feel like everybody that I speak to is either in the middle of one, they're trying to write a strategy around one, or they're reviewing one that they've completed. So why do you think so many businesses are focusing on cloud migrations? Do you feel like there's a certain um, kind of catalyst for that? Or do you feel like it's just an industry kind of shift? Um, I think it's been a, an industry shift. You know, traditionally, everything was was data centers. It took a long time to do things. And I think when you couple that with trying to get new product out, trying to get in front of the competition, looking at how you can land new services in front of you know your customers and how you can test new services with those customers as well. I think cloud was sort of the natural landing, you know, landing, mm -hmm. I believe it's like, you know, landing zone from a cloud perspective, but natural landing zone for that sort of test and learn and quick to market approach. And then I think it sort of progressed from there with a sort of everything to the cloud approach, which I think, you know, give the CSPs their credit. They've done a really great job of pushing that agenda to the forefront of, you know, the majority of IT departments and tech leaders. Definitely. And I think, you know, something that's really common is that because there is so many different cloud providers out there talking about their own features, why they're better, what you can do in them, it can be very, very 
easy to get kind of built up and and confused by the amount of information out there and you know the the differing information as well you know it's often conflicting depending on what vendor you're looking at and you know who you're who you're speaking to do you feel like there's kind of a a general um issue especially in this area about you know making clear decisions or even um kind of even knowing where to start in this decision making because i often feel like when businesses are starting to talk about cloud migration sometimes it can be very hazy what the actual viewpoint is of, of why they want to go and and also where they want to go with it so sometimes it can be very difficult for them to make a, a proper business decision because they might not necessarily have a clear view of why or or what the end goal is. Yeah, and I think that defining the why is really, mm. really important. And I think, you know, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you to do. There's a lot of information out there. You know, the cloud providers are continually developing their offering. There are a lot of similarities as well. And so you, it's hard to know which, you know, which version of a service you might want to take. What does that give you in terms of, you know, if you go to AWS, what does that progression give you? If you go to Azure, what does that give you? If you Google the cloud, is that, you know, what does that give you? Is that better for your data? And there's, you know, you can host everything everywhere. Why do you want to go to the cloud and which cloud is the best for your requirements? And I think there's a lot of pressure, I think, for technical teams to start. And I think, you know, that sort of starting without an end goal in mind or at yeah. least a direction of travel in mind can sort of make things more confusing for teams. So, I'm a, you know, I've got a delivery background anyway, but I'm a definite advocate of spending, you know, a reasonable amount of time planning. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? What are you trying to achieve? Where do you think you might go? But then I'm also an advocate of not over planning. And there's, you know, it's, it's, there's a sweet spot in there somewhere. And it's, it's, it sounds easy to go, or do, you know, do some planning, but not too much. But finding that, <laughs> spot, you know, it's, it's pretty tricky. No, definitely. And I think it's a, a really good point. You know, you can't start the race without knowing where the finish line is, you know, otherwise you'd just be going everywhere. So actually having a clear view of why this is important, what the end goal is, you know, where we're trying to get can really help people make better decisions and also understand why, you know, everything's happening in general, which normally leads to kind of better team buy-in as well, you know, and they actually understand why they need to kind of change this methodology of working. So we mentioned quite a few different cloud providers there, you know, we, we flashed a few names out. Do you feel like people should really focus on kind of putting their eggs in multiple baskets with multi-cloud strategies? Or do you feel like, you know, focusing on one cloud provider is best? Again, it goes back to sort of setting what you're out, what you're trying to achieve. I don't think it's a one size fits all. And I think because of the different ways that you you know, you want to operate in the cloud, it's worth certainly as you're starting out, just being good at one thing. Use one cloud to sort of find your feet, look at how it operates, look at how the team adapts to it, learn as you go. I mean, you know, it's very easy to put new services onto the cloud, but it's more difficult to migrate services onto those platforms so it might be that you think well actually I'll be good at one cloud then I might want to you know take a pause and look at do I need a hybrid cloud offering do I actually need to go multi-cloud am I going to run my services between my on-premise data center to have I got a particular data center exit requirement that I you know that I'm going to do first so I think unless you've got a really defined need to go multi-cloud from the off I think you know there's certainly something to be said for that sort of learning and discovery piece first and then building out 
the vision from there. It certainly beats duplicating services everywhere because it's expensive to do that. Yes, definitely. And those costs do rack up quickly, don't they? (laughs) So we've kind of spoken in general about um, migrating, you know, almost everything to the cloud in a in a big bang approach. Do you feel like, you know, a a lot of businesses when they do look at cloud um, migrations, I think often this big bang approach is quite often on the table for discussion, you know, just say, okay, let's start moving everything. Do you feel like that's a good idea? Or I think most people can kind of see that that could be a little bit of a um, double-edged sword. You know, yes, you do everything in one go, but also if something goes wrong, that could be, you know, everything going wrong. Is there any areas or application services, et cetera, that you feel maybe a better to kind of leave for later on or maybe not put in cloud or do you feel like cloud is for everything and is fine to do kind of big bang approaches no i'd say it's it's not for everything i think that you know there are certain services that would just be cost prohibitive to run in the Mm. cloud they might be regulatory reasons why you can't run in the cloud and that goes back to you know do some analysis at the beginning not so much that it paralyzes you to, you know, to the <laughs> phrase that we all love. Um, but, you know, really do discover what's, you know, what's in your IT landscape now. Um, one of the reasons that, you know, we see that people are, are migrating to the cloud is, you know, the data center's full. They don't know where to go next. Mm. But again, unless you get into that discipline of housekeeping, you're just going to move, you know, you're just going to take the bad with you. So there is going to have to be some, um, housekeeping which is nobody's favorite but you know the, the work out really the best the best place to host those services and where that value rolls forward to the customer yeah is isn't an experiment in engineering this should be where do we get value that we pass to our customers from the hosting and placement of these services either in our own environment in a colo or in a cloud Definitely. And I suppose this this brings us back to, you know, our point about doing proper analysis and also doing proper planning and having, you know, a good understanding of why you're doing this and what the end goal is so that then that actually helps you understand what application services or products, etc., are going to be useful and valuable to move to a cloud environment and what maybe is best to just leave as it is right now. Do you have any, you know, general advice for people when they are looking at planning in terms of either the people that they should have involved or strategies that they might be able to kind of bring into that kind of meeting to help them structure it a little bit better? I think the product owners have got a really good role to play in migration. They understand, you know, their product roadmaps. They knew what's coming next. And, it's, you know, the supporting sort of IT platform teams to help them with that. So, you know. Is it worth migrating something if you're going to build something new? Why not just start the new build in the cloud and then cut over to the new version? Or if there's something that just, you know, just works, just sits there, but you need to get it out of a data center, then why not look at a hybrid cloud offering? And then if there's something, you know, let's take it to the extreme. You're never going to put the mainframe on the cloud, not as things stand right now. <laughs> yeah. We're now looking at it. Um, but, you know, the have that understanding that it's a portfolio of IT services and I think the cloud you know is just part of that portfolio and it's about placing things where you get the best value and make the most difference for your customers I think sometimes in 
in tech, we focus on the tech and not on passing that value through to the customers. No, definitely. And often we can sometimes be so blinded by, you know, our focus on the technology and, you know, the the service at hand that sometimes the, the customer experience or the impact to the customer is not as always um, focused on. And I suppose something that I took from um, what you were discussing there is that it's really important to have all of these different product owners or, um, you know, executives or whoever is kind of man- managing those areas together in, in one place and kind of break down that siloed base, you know, oh, well, security have this project, infrastructure have this project, you know, maybe data services have another project and nobody's actually communicating. Do you have any kind of examples or experience where you've had either, you know, silo-based planning or issues with that or, you know, obviously on the other end of that where you've been able to come in and actually resolve some of those silos or, or you know, use them to your advantage? I think. In the introduction of cross-functional teams has, you know, been a real benefit in, you know, making services successful. So I think, you know, bringing all of the engineering teams closer together, is, you know, it's a real sort of benefit to sort of the pace of deployment of new products and services and also to that understanding between teams of, of what and why things, you know, are having to be done. So the security teams quite often treated as an afterthought and then yeah. <laughs> things. But if they're, you know, if they're involved up front if they're looking at the design with you know the product owner and the engineering teams then you know that sort of shift left approach definitely pays dividends as the products move through their sort of life cycle I think you get you know a better a better product and a better um, return on that investment when everybody sort of starts the journey together no definitely I completely agree and you know having that awareness um, across all of the teams and building them in more closely together, I think definitely also creates, you know, better ideas and, and solutions for things because they're not only looking at it with with one cap on, for example, you know, they've got many different hats on thinking about that in many different ways rather than, again, just that siloed based thinking pattern that sometimes, you know, we all get bogged down into. <laughs> sometimes we're always thinking about just our area or just, you know, what might benefit our team or us service rather than uh, thinking about generally across the board what can benefit everyone and of course the customer which is a really important point um, to what you said. So I suppose you know somebody who's listening to this podcast they might be hearing a lot of different suggestions a lot of things that they might be able to take on board or bring with them and perhaps you know hopefully this may have lit a um, little fire under you in terms of okay I want to actually do our cloud migrations or this certain project that I'm looking on in a slightly different way if you could kind of give some you know, first uh, top three steps, for example, or just a few steps that um, somebody listening to this could take uh, and, you know, start actually implementing into their teams or their projects, whether those are cloud migrations or, of course, other types of migrations as well. Um, Would you have any kind of key things that you definitely tell them to take with them? I think I'd start with, and this, you know, there's quite a lot of talk around this, but understand why. Mm. Are you doing something? Why are you starting on this journey? And then look at what you're then going to look to achieve and then communicate that and just keep communicating it. Yeah. Tell people what you're doing. Tell people the, your why story. Get everybody and different levels of communication for different teams. But if you, you know, if you want to get the buy-in, you've got to go right up, 
you know, right up to the sea level and then all the way across all of the engineering teams as well and just build on that um, experience that all these teams and different stakeholders have got over their sort of tenure in their post that they hold now. The next best thing to do is move everything to the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> it often isn't, the, you know, it's not like I said before, it's not a one size fits all. You can get yeah. some really, you know, fantastic benefits of moving to the cloud. You can make a lot of difference to the customers for certain things, but then for other things, it's not the right thing to do. And sometimes you don't know that until you actually try to do something. <laughs> so don't, don't be afraid to sort of, you know, put something in a in a dev environment, have a look and see how it feels. And then if it doesn't work, you know, just take it, take it back out again. And that's the yeah. that's one of the benefits of cloud is that quick experimentation. So, if, you know, try, fail, learn is definitely one of the great benefits of, of these cloud platforms. And it might be that you just find that it's not the right place or it's not the right place for now. And it's definitely a benefit, you know, to to have that ease of just testing. And then, you know, especially if it's a development application or maybe one that isn't very well used, you can try that to see what it's like and then remove it. And it hasn't impacted anything. You know, we haven't had to order a specific server for that, wait for eight weeks for it to be delivered <laughs> to implement it and then think, oh, no, no, that's wrong. So we've spoken so much about kind of building cross-functional teams and really, you know, vocalizing and communicating this why over and over again to different um, levels of individuals and different teams as well. Do you feel like that impacts the training process for those people? Or do you think there's any changes that people should make when they're looking to migrate to the cloud um, in terms of their training for engineers or, or other users as well? Yeah, I mean, there's a lots of lots of new term terminology, lots of new acronyms. Which, from a finance background, I love as well. So, <laughs> you know, all these things that get introduced, you know, as part of that cloud journey, um, and also it's a journey for some of the engineering teams as well. What has happened um, that I've seen is, you know, we take a few engineers and make them cloud engineers, and then they get all of the training and the support, and then we say we haven't got enough cloud engineers. What do we do now? And then, mm. you know, the market constraints around actually cloud engineers at the moment is pretty well recognised. Mm. And of start of growing your own engineers, you know, there's some great talent in the infrastructure engineering team. So I'm a big fan of making the best use of the talent that you've already got, but also making sure that if you are going to train those engineers, that you actually give them access to the things that you're training them on. Mm. sending the entire IT team on a training course and then they never touch the cloud or they don't touch it for such a period of time that you know the training sort of gone to the wayside and they've gone back to their day jobs train people all different types of people get used to the terms and the you know the terminology that goes with these new cloud environments you know give people exposure to to using that new technology as well as soon as as they can and even if that's only access to dev areas and sandbox so they can actually play around and see how you know the training that they've done works in the real world but in a safer environment definitely and i think again you know we come back to that the the cloud is so easy for that right they can set up dev playgrounds and just you know keep their their knowledge going even if it's just putting something in it turning it on maybe having a little um, kind of changing the policies or something and then spinning it down for another week. At least they get that opportunity and it's much easier um, 
and, and quicker and much more flexible for them to be able to do that. I just wanted to um, kind of really summarise the the main points that I think I've taken from a lot of your experiences. And I think I'll definitely be um, bringing this into so many different conversations that I have is understand the why, you know, start actually having a, a more high level look at why is this important? Why are we doing this? What is the end goal? And effectively communicating that to all teams. And also, I think something that I've got from this is also just just start, just try, you know, put it in a dev platform, try a non, non-essential application, just try something to understand, is this actually practical and valuable to move? Or is this something that maybe we should stay, you know, um, as it is or on-prem or VMs or whatever it might be? If there was kind of your your final summary for what you would really want somebody to take away from this, if they skipped to the end and they only wanted the, the final piece. I would probably say, don't be afraid to experiment, don't be afraid to fail and have fun with it. Yeah, it doesn't have to always be so scary. <laughs> and keep an eye on your fin up. <laughs> yes, yes. Keep an eye on your FinOps and keep an eye on your customer and the benefits to them, right? <laughs> Not just the technology. All about the customer. Well, thank you so, so much, Sarah, for your time, your experience. I feel like everyone listening to this will have gained so much from your very varied and kind of um, widespread experience. So I think that's just extra value there um, from so many different kind of viewpoints. So I think it will really apply to, you know, not just technical people, you're going to have financial people, you know, cheering at this, hearing, <laughs> hearing your views. So just thank you so much for your time. And of course, to the listeners listening to this today, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Grace.